Well, I'm glad to see you. I missed you last week. But I got to tell you, I was holding this seven-pound little new grandson, and I didn't miss you a whole lot. I'll tell you, I am so blessed. Oh, I got to meet my new grandson last week, and uh, what a thrill Stella and I had. And uh, we're both back now, and, and uh, uh, our hearts are divided. Our hearts are here, and our hearts are there. I got one grandson here, one grandson there, and uh, we just praise the Lord for it all. Thank you for all your prayers uh, for our traveling and for the birth of uh, Peter. Uh, everything went great. He's doing great, and we are just so excited. I see we have some guests in the service today, and some of you had come in just a little later after our announcements, and know that you're in the first of three different kind of services we have here at the church every week. This is our traditional service, where it features traditional hymns and music that we just sang. Oh, how I enjoy it every week, because these are the songs I grew up with in church. Then at 10.30, we have a contemporary service, features more contemporary music, and then at noon, we, 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 just, we just rock out and have a great time. So we hope you'll try all three of those services, maybe even today, after this service, stay for the music of the next service. You'll get a little taste, uh, two for one. It's free. We won't charge you any more for that. I'm excited to talk to you today as we close out a, a series that I began at the beginning of the year called My New Year's Revolution. Now, we're not talking about resolutions. Why? Because most resolutions fail within the first two weeks that we make them. And we all know that because we've all made many resolutions we've not kept. What we're talking about is a revolution. And that revolution is this, to really engage Jesus Christ in a way that we, maybe we've never done before or, or to amplify our relationship with him. We've been talking from Hebrews chapter 12 where we learned this. Therefore, verse 1 says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and that cloud is people who have successfully completed their Christian journey here on earth. Let us throw off everything that hinders and so easily tangles, and let us run with perseveration, our perseverance, the race marked out for us. Now, I, I want to stop there just another moment. Now, I want you to understand that your eternal destiny, my eternal destiny, where we're going to spend eternity depends on what we do with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of all mankind. He didn't come here to teach us a better way of life. He didn't teach us, come here to teach us how to love each other more. He came here to die. And he came to shed his blood as an offering to God for our sinfulness. Lived a perfect life, and therefore he was the only one who could be a perfect sacrifice for sin. Now, every man, every woman living on planet Earth has to come to a decision in his or her life of what they're going to do about what Jesus came to do. Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, Jesus said, no one gets to heaven except through him and what he's done. And we have to decide whether Jesus was the most arrogant religious leader that has ever walked on the face of the earth because no other religious leader said, ever said that about themselves or whether he was speaking the truth. Now, I, I, I grew up in a Christian home and I've served Jesus Christ all my life. And I want you to know this, everything I know about him and everything I've seen in the lives of other believers screams out that he wasn't being arrogant, that he was being honest. John three sixteen. The most quoted verse in all the Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, 
that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now, every one of us have to decide whether we're going to embrace that truth or not. And God won't force us. He he allows us to, to exercise our free will. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you've not sealed your eternal destiny with him. The good news is that you can do that even this morning, even right now, because it's a gift. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. See, most religions teach that you have to appease God. You got to work to get to heaven. You got to be a good enough guy. You got to be a good enough woman. Scripture denies that. Scripture absolutely refutes that and says the only way to heaven is through faith in what Jesus has already done in our stead, already done for us. And so the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, in other words, that Jesus is the only way, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. Now, when when we do that, When we humble ourselves and we ask Jesus Christ to be our personal Savior, that seals our eternal destiny. We will spend eternity with him. We will get to heaven. Now, with that thought in mind, let me say this. The way we live our life subsequent to receiving Jesus as our Savior determines our eternal experience, not our eternal destiny, because that's sealed when we put our faith in Jesus. But the way we live our life subsequent to receiving Jesus will impact our eternal experience. Not every believer is going to have the same eternal experience. Now, it's all going to be in heaven. It's all going to be amazing. But the Bible talks about different opportunities and different responsibilities that we earn during this life. Now, in this verse that we looked at, Paul is making an analogy using the idea of a race. And so he says, all right, here's the deal. He says, since so many people, we've we've got witnesses that this can be done. Let's get rid of anything that's keeping us from running the race that's marked out for us. As we talked about before, God has a race specifically designed for you. We're not all running the same race. We have a race designed specifically for us. God has designed it himself, and he will take into account all of our circumstances, all the talents that he has given us, all the spiritual gifts he has blessed us with. And so I, I don't have to worry about my, my being judged next to Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or, or anyone else because I've got a race marked out for me. Jesus will ensure because he's the author of that race, as we're going to see here in a, a moment, and the perfecter of that race, he will Enable me to successfully run the race marked out for me. He will, he will enable you to successfully run the race marked out for you. you got to believe that. But here, know this about yourself. You're special to God. You're unique to God. You're not a misfit. You're not a mistake. God designed you from the very beginning, and he has a wonderful plan just for you. 
And, and he's waiting at the finish line of life. As we step across the threshold of eternity, and listen, he wants to lavish you with eternal opportunities and eternal rewards. He wants to lavish you with them. Now, that's what we're doing right now. We're each running our race. Now, we discovered in this series that that race is a lifetime race. It's not a sprint. It's it's a lifetime. It's a marathon. And it's going to have peaks and valleys all through it. It's a difficult race to run. No matter what our individual race is, it's going to be challenging. Now, the only way we can successfully complete the race, Scripture goes on to say in verse 2, is if we fix our eyes on Jesus. We can't do it in our own self-discipline. We can't just make up our minds to do it. We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Why? Again, because he's the author. He's the one that wrote the race. He knows where you're going. And so he's the only one that can get you to the end. And he's also the perfecter. We learned in this series that he will ensure that I arrive in eternity successfully accomplishing the race marked out for me and the same for you. But our ability to do that depends on the degree that we fix our eyes on Jesus. Now that's what I want to talk about today as we end this series. Now, to do this is going to take a revolutionary commitment on every one of our parts. That's why we're not talking about a New Year's resolution. We're talking about a New Year's revolution. We have to really make a choice, just as we decided whether to receive Jesus as our Savior or reject Jesus as our Savior. We all have a crossroads. We make a decision, and it's a revolutionary commitment Now, Paul talks about it several times. Paul is one of the greatest converts to Christianity. He wrote a great deal of what we call the New Testament. In his letter to the Colossians, chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, he says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. In other words, since we have believed in Jesus, since our eternal destiny is sealed through Jesus, since that's true, he says this, Set your hearts on things above. In other words, there's a change that needs to occur. We need to set our hearts on what is to come, not what we're experiencing right now. And that set your hearts in the Greek, the Greek word is zeteo. And zeteo means continuous action. Continuously set our hearts on where we're going, on who we now are as adopted members into the family of God. And it goes on to say where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We talked about that earlier in our our series. You know what Jesus is doing right now? He's interceding for you. He's interceding for me all day long. See, he will guarantee that our sinfulness after believing in Jesus Christ will not keep us out of heaven. But then he goes on to say, set your minds on things of heart. Now, there's a way that we have to set our hearts, and it's by setting our minds. Again, and this... Again, involves continuous action. He says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He carries this same thought into a letter that he writes to the Roman Christians. Another New Testament manuscript, the book of Romans. He says this in Romans 8, 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that sinful nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, this isn't a rebuke. It's just a fact. Paul says this. 
Some of you believers, he's saying, trusted Christ as your Savior, but yet you struggle constantly with your flesh. You keep doing the things you, you know you shouldn't do. You, you, you keep returning back to those behaviors that you did before you trusted Christ. He said, now the reason you're still captive to those things is because you've set your mind on earthly things. He said, the key to changing that is to set your minds on the Spirit and live for what the Spirit desires. Now, with that in mind, we're going to look in Romans chapter 12. That's where I'm going to kind of camp out this morning. Romans chapter 12 is going to encourage us to do exactly that. It says in verse 2, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. In other words, as believers, as Christians, as Christ followers, we are not to live life like we used to live life, and we're not to live life like culture tells us to live life. We're not to conform to that anymore because we're new. We're new creatures. We are now members of God's family, and God wants us to be his representatives, and he wants us to live his values. Now, apparently, we as a Christian community especially in the United States, are not doing a great job of this. George Barna, who is an amazing pollster, he's like Gallup and all these other polls, but he particularly does polls in America that deal with spirituality. And in a recent poll, he said this, of more than 70 moral behaviors we study, when we compare Christians to non-Christians, look what he says, we rarely find substantial differences. In other words, he says this, that when they do these polls and they ask these moral questions, he said, of over 70 different moral contemporary issues that they poll, believers and non-believers, the responses substantially are no different. See, what's happened is we are increasingly allowing culture to take over our mindset. We're setting our mind on what culture says is the way to live life. We're setting our mind on what culture tells us to embrace as values. And we're sliding away from setting our hearts on things above. What's to come? Setting our minds on things above. We're slipping to where now it's almost indistinguishable between Christians and unbelievers. There's very little difference. This defies what we're supposed to be. I, I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Now he's writing a letter, a second letter to believers in Corinth. And he says this in chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal possession in Christ. Now, now Mark, let's just stop there for a second. Remember, God is going to help you to win this race. God will help you cross the finish line successfully, and, and he wants to lavish rewards on you. He's always leading us in triumph. We're, we're the winners. We read the last chapter, and, and Christ wins. Satan doesn't win. But we got to keep our eyes fixed on Christ, see? Now, look what he says. And through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. Now, one of the purposes that we have 
in living life after becoming believers is we're to be the fragrance of Christ everywhere that we go. See, that's what Paul and his companions are saying about them. They're saying, Here, here's, what, here's what we're doing right now. And he's encouraging all believers in Corinth to do the same, and he's encouraging us now to do the same. He said, we're to be the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ. Wherever we go as believers, we should be taking the presence of Christ. He goes on to say in verse 14, for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. In other words, we're the fragrance to God. We're to be the aroma of Christ to those who hear the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for sin and humble their hearts and receive that. Those are the people being saved. But also to the people who are rejecting that and don't want anything to do with it. Look what he says. To one, we are the smell of death. That's why when we stand for Christian values in the workplace and in our families and in school, oftentimes it's not received positively, is it? We're ridiculed and we're mocked. And sometimes we, we see people just get red-faced angry about it. Why? We're the smell of death. We're a reminder to them that they're not embracing biblical principles. They're not embracing the way God wants mankind to live. And so to us, we're a stinky fragrance. We're a smelly. We're an offensive odor because we are a reminder of who God is and how God wants us to live. And to the others, we're the fragrance of life. See, to those who are trying to embrace God, trying to live Christian values, we're, we're, we're an encourager. We serve, we serve the, the, the role of being a, a, a helpmate and, and a teammate and, and a colleague, and we encourage each other. That's what we do when we gather together. But see, we, we, we've lost this. John Burke, who's a Christian pastor and author we're going to get to know a lot better in just a moment, said this, I'm convinced we've lost the ability to see and hear and understand how to truly follow the way of Christ moment by moment. In other words, what John's saying is that somewhere we've gotten off track. Somewhere we've lost our focus. Somewhere we, we lost fixing our eyes on Jesus. Somewhere we've gotten out of the race marked for us. And we've got swallowed up by culture and cultural values. So Paul says we've got to change that. He said don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. It was the same problem back in his day, and it's the same problem today for believers. He's saying, listen, culture is always going to try to persuade you to go away from God. But we need to be the fragrance of God. We need to set our hearts on things above. And we set our hearts by changing the way we think. Because he goes on to say, be transformed. Break out of this, this negative cycle. Break out of this this, this cycle that's keeping us captive to our flesh and the things we used to do. By the renewing of your mind. Here's the battleground right here. It's not here. You know, every one of us here have come here today, unless we were drugged to church here today, and maybe that's the case for someone, and I hope when you leave you'll be glad that you got drugged here today. But all of us have a heart for God. We, we love God. It's not that we hate God. It's not that we, we want to intentionally and willfully rebel against God. We, we love God, and we want, to, we want God to be pleased with our lives. 
But, but, but see, we, we, we need to renew our minds because our flesh isn't following, is it? Now, how long does it take to change an old behavior into a new behavior? How long does that take? Well, for years, we've accepted the idea that it takes 21 to 30 days to change a behavior. But you know, that was built on a fallacy. In the 1950s, a plastic surgeon named Maxwell Maltz wrote a book called Psycho-Cybernetics that just took over. They sold over 30 million copies in the 1950s. And in his practice, he discovered that it took 21 days for someone who had plastic surgery, let's say a nose job, to finally accept their new nose as their new nose. It took them that adjustment period. He noted that when doctors would have to amputate a limb, that it took about 21 days before the patient would stop seeing a phantom limb where the limb had been amputated. And so he began to, to kind of tie this 21-day thing into all his behaviors, and he wrote this book, and it was a sensation. And so it became the standard that it takes 21 days to change a behavior. And then somehow it morphed into 30. But a new study was done by a professor named Felipe, Felipe Lally from University College in London. It was a much more scientific study on how long it takes to change the mind, to reset the mind and make a new behavior a routine, normal behavior. So Felipe Lally discovered this, that it actually takes 66 days to make a, a new behavior a part of our routine. It takes 66 days to reset the mind so that behaviors become a natural part of our everyday life. Now, with this in mind, that we want to embrace a New Year's revolution. We want to get back on track. We don't want to be part of the Barna statistic that says over 70 moral behaviors uh, polled, there's significantly no difference between a believer and a non-believer. We don't want to be that kind of believer. I don't want to be that kind of believer. Do you want to be that kind of believer? Now we're supposed to be the fragrance of Christ. So what we have to do is we have to renew our mind. And that's not going to happen in one sermon series. That's not going to happen on one Sunday. It's going to take us statistically at least 60 days to make who we want to be and act how we want to act a normal part of our behavior. Now, we want to help you do that. Although I'm ending the series today, the revolution just begins today. Because now we begin to apply what we've learned to our everyday practical life. I want to introduce you to a book that is a really powerful book. And uh, Pastor John brought it to me and, and all the pastors, we've read it. It's called Soul Revolution. 
Now, I actually read the book after I started the series, so the series isn't based on the book. But in order for us to carry on, who really want to get to join this revolution, who really want to go to a new place with Christ, who really do want to become the fragrance of Jesus Christ, whether it's at work or whether it's in our families, and we want to live Christ, not just practice Christ compartmentally on Sunday. Here is one resource that we're going to give you, not give you, unfortunately, I wish we could, but we have available for you. And we have them available right after the service. And and this book, here's where this book is going to encourage you. It's going to encourage you of how to live a life for Jesus Christ. Not just to make Jesus a compartment of your life, but how to take him into every area of your life. As I researched how to change behaviors, another powerful factor in changing behaviors is other people's stories. Remember Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, we've read the stories in the Bible of people who successfully ran the race marked out for them. Well, this is going to have a lot of stories in it, this book. And this book, you don't have to read over 60 days. You can read it at your leisure. You can read it as fast or as slow as you want to read it. But it's a powerful book, and I'm going to encourage you to consider getting a copy of it. Now, you can get a copy on your on. Your, your iPad or your iPhone, you can, you can get it at Amazon, you can get it anywhere. You can, you can get it on, if you get it, in fact, on your iPad, electronically, it's like $3.99. Our, our copies, we're asking for a donation of 12, that's exactly what we paid for them. If you, your life circumstances right now are a place where you just can't afford the $12, then, then all you got to do is you got to go back to the resource thing and, and say later, one word, later. It's a code word we've developed, and no one's going to ask any questions. We're just going to understand it right now. Your life circumstances aren't to where you can afford the $12, and that's fine. And we'll give you a copy because we want, we're vested in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, this is one. Now, also what came out of this book was an experiment called the 60-60. Now this you can get free. You can participate free, even if you don't read the book. The 60-60 is a program that you can, it's an app that you can download on whatever device you use, whether it's an Android or an iPhone or whatever you want to do. You, you can go to Soul Revolution or 60-60 and you can download this on your phone. Now here's what it's going to do. Every 60 seconds, not seconds, 60 minutes, every hour, your phone's going to go off. It's going gonna, it's gonna to have a little ring. And flashing on your screen is going to be a scripture verse and a saying. Now, what the 6060 is designed to do is over 60 days, Every 60 minutes, and you can program it however you want to program it. You don't, you don't do it 24 hours a day. You don't wake up 1 in the morning, 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. You program it for how it fits your day. If you're an early riser and you get up at 5, well, you can set it from 5 to, to 5 at night or, or however you want to set it. 8 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock at night. However you want to set it, you set your parameters. But here's what's going to happen. Every hour... This program is going to help to bring us in awareness of our relationship with Jesus Christ. 
Now, the, the book has a lot of stories about people who had the 60s, 60s. In fact, we're going to want to hear your stories. So we're going to have forums out there, and you can go online to our website, uh, www.floridabible.org, and we'll have a, a, click that, a link that you can click on, and you can share your 60s, 60s stories, because we're going to hear a lot of stories about what Christ has done. Maybe you're, you're, you're going to be at work, and, and you're going, and you're, you're in the, having to make some, some kind of an ethical decision at work, and, and all of a sudden, your phone. And God's going to have a verse right there for you. And God's going to have a saying right there for you. Or maybe you're, you're, you're going to be in a situation where you're tempted to do something that you know you don't, you don't really want to do and you, you ought not to do. And, and you're going to be in there. And then, you know, ding, 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 ding. oh, yeah, God's here. Or maybe you're going to be mad and you're going to be, you're going to be in there. Ding, 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 ding. Let not your heart be troubled. See? What this is going to do is it's going to help, and I'm going to do it. Stella and I are going to do it. It's going to help us over 60 days to develop a new pattern of not following the world, but following the Savior. 60 days. It takes 60 days to develop a new behavior. And these two tools, soul revolution. You can get it in an audio book. If you get it in an audio book, I think it's $17.99. There's all kinds of different formats. Whatever you like to do. You don't like to read, you like to listen, you can get it that way. But let me encourage you to get it. You can start the 60-60 before you get the book. But here's what it's designed to do, again. is to help us reprogram our minds so that Jesus isn't a compartment of our life on Sunday but he now becomes a part of our life all day long. And we are opening ourselves to his influence all day long. Now listen, you do this, and you'll be amazed at what God is going to do in your life. You will have 60, 60 stories to share, because God is going to meet you at a place that you've never met him before. He's going to excite you in a way that you've never been excited before. He's going to bless you in ways that you didn't imagine. And he is going to revolutionize your relationship with him. But, but we have to make the decision to join the revolution. If we will, here's what's going to happen. Romans 12 again, verse 2. It said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're doing. Look what it says. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. What does that mean? Then you're going to understand and you're going to see more clearly the race marked out for you. Then your life is going to start to make more sense. Your relationship with Christ is going to start to have more purpose. Then, see, the lights are going to come on. And you're going to go to a new place spiritually. You're going to go to a new place relationally with Jesus Christ. And it's going to change so much in your life. And ultimately, you'll know that his will for you is good. It's pleasing. And it's perfect. What does that mean? That means we're actually going to discover that God's plan for our life is better than culture's plan for our life. 
We're actually going to discover that God's plan for our life is better than our own plan for our life. We're actually going to discover that, that we're not a mistake. That we really do have a race marked out individually for us. We're going to discover that we have a purpose for living. And we're going to discover that we have a race we, without a shadow of a doubt, can win. And the race ends when we step over the threshold of eternity into the very arms of Jesus himself. That's my New Year's revolution. Will you join the revolution? Will you take the risk? Will you join the journey? Let's bow our heads. All right, we're at a crossroads. Now we're going to decide what we're going to do with this series that we end today. Will we just allow it to be another intellectual event, another intellectual experience? Or will we say, no, today I joined the revolution. Today is a new day. Today is a new chance. Today is a fresh opportunity. Today I'm entering into a new level of intimacy with my Savior, Jesus. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll know what his will is for you, his good, his pleasing, his perfect will. Now, believers, Christ followers, you're, you're at the place right now deciding where you're going to go, what step you're going to take next. Talk to God about it right now. Talk to Jesus about it right now. Open up your heart. Open up your soul. And make your decision. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, I want to return to that. I talked about it at the very beginning of my message this morning. See, the race doesn't begin until... We trust Christ as our Savior. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Do you know that if you would die today, that heaven will be your eternal home, not based on your goodness, because that's not going to do it, but based on the fact that you have established a personal relationship of faith with Jesus Christ, that you've transferred your confidence off of yourself And you've placed your confidence totally on what Jesus did on the cross. Every head's bowed. No one's looking around, please. But you're a man, you're a woman here today. And you might be alone. We won't embarrass you in any way, I promise you. But you're not really sure where you're going to go when you die. You're not sure where you're going to spend eternity. But you'd like to be. And you'd let me pray for you. Without anyone looking around, would you just slip up your hand and say, say, Pete, that's me. I'm not sure where I'm going to spend eternity. I don't know that I have that relationship with Jesus Christ, but I'd like to. 
Should we wait just? Yes, you can put your hand down. I see it. Yes. Anyone else? Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, you can put your hand down. Yes, you can put your hand down. Anyone else? All right, the Lord's working today. The Holy Spirit is here, and he's reaching out to some of us. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he said, if you hear the voice of the Lord, don't harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, if you want to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, all you have to do is ask him to be your Savior. Now, words don't save you. It's the attitude of your heart that saves you. But right now, if you'd like to trust Christ, and you don't know how, let me help you. It's simple. Through a prayer of faith. That goes something like this. And you can use these words. They're not magical. They're not in some kind of incantation. They're just words I'm making up. But you've got to believe, and it's got to come from your heart. Say, God, I want to be sure that I'm spending eternity with you. And God, I confess to you right now that I've not lived life perfectly. I've sinned. I know I've done wrong. And I get it now that because I've sinned, I can't enter heaven. And, and, and God, I get it that I'm never going to be good enough to earn my way to heaven. That's why you sent Jesus to die on the cross. And so God, right now, as best as I understand what this pastor has talked about this morning, I want to trust Jesus as my Savior. I'm transferring all confidence off of any hope that I could ever be good enough to enter heaven. And instead, I'm putting my faith alone in what Jesus did already on the cross. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross, were buried and rose again. And I believe that because you were willing to die, that God has given you alone the authority to forgive sin. That's why you said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so, Jesus, I'm asking you to pay my sin debt. I'm asking you to be my Savior. Today, I put my eternal faith in you. Today, I believe on the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ, for eternal life. Today, I make you my Savior. Now, the Bible says in 1 John 5, 13, to any man, any woman who humbles himself in that way, says this, these things I write to you who believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Father, I thank you for these brave men, these brave women who raised their hand this morning. And God, I pray that every one of them have responded in faith to Jesus Christ. And if they have, God, I know that you have forgiven every sin they've ever committed. And Jesus, you are now interceding for them with God for every sin they ever will commit in the future. And God, you have given them the promise of eternal life. Now they can begin to run the race marked out for them that you wrote already before they even trusted you. Lord, help us all now, every believer here today. Lord, help us to run the race marked out for us. Not to worry about anybody else because we're not going to be compared to anybody else. Our race is our race. And all we got to do is fix our eyes on you. Now, we pray over this next 60 days that you'll help us to to reprogram these minds so that we're set on you.
and not on the things of this world. Bless us, God. Use us. Encourage us. Help us to be the fragrance of Jesus Christ everywhere we go. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.